Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge Television, brought to you by our great friends at Ditch Witch. Bass Edge Television is on Wild TV in Canada and the Versus Network all the way through June of 2008. Hey guys, it's Outdoors Dan and I've got my good friend, the hostess with the mostest, Aaron Martin from Bass Edge right alongside. Aaron, how you doing? Hey Dan, I'm doing great. I'm just happy to be inside where it's nice and warm. Yeah, I got my stocking cap on. It's only four degrees in Iowa, you big sissy. <laughs> I don't want to hear about it. Hey, why don't you tell everybody what we got going on today? Well, we are going to be joined by FLW Pro Sean Hernke as he shares insights on fishing large bodies of water, specifically Lake Erie for smallmouth. So you know that is uh, sure to be some exciting action. Yeah, and then we're going to go talk to one of the organizations that are just really an explosion from throughout the country, which I'm really glad to see uh, to get more kids involved in fishing. And that's uh, Troy Heckman with the Collegiate Bass Anglers Association. What a great concept. Fish while you're going to college. Yeah, exactly. If, if I would have had that concept, you know, in a formal form, I, well, that's two words of, of like mine, but if, if I would have had that opportunity, chances are I probably would not have made it out of college. So. Yeah, they might have got you out of the cafeteria. Once in a while. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Hey, folks, we've got all of this coming up right here on the app. You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Brought to you in part by Ditch Witches On. Experience the revolution. Oh, look here. I got one. I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Woo, look at that something gun, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. Aaron, i got to tell you, with the cold weather, a lot of people are starting to heat up their seasons. They're getting all their stuff ready. And, you know, the tournament season's already started. And I know bass is down in, are they down in Florida now? Yeah, they actually just uh, just had their the Southern Open down on the St. John's River uh, in Florida. Really? Yeah, and uh, man, they caught him too. I think uh, Peter T ended up winning that thing and put together just a, a phenomenal stringer of fish. So now is that on the golf side? Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, you know, I got to tell you a quick story. You got a minute? Sure. Uh, <clears throat> last time I went diving, we were went diving on the Crystal River down there, and that's a sanctuary. You cannot fish or do anything in that area where mm-hmm. we were diving. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there in scuba gear in this in this uh, freshwater just spring-fed, warm river, and I'm looking over, and there's 20, 22-pound bass just swimming right by me. Just really made me sick. I cannot even imagine. You know, no, you it was probably, probably didn't have a camera either, did you? No, I wasn't even, you know, I was doing my best just to swim. You know, that's something I need to do. I've heard a lot of guys, a lot of anglers that actually, of course, they have these, you know, submersible cameras now where you can uh, mm-hmm. stick down and look at fish, but a lot of people actually dive and say that they learn a tremendous amount from how the fish react and what they're holding to by by doing diving like that. Well, I'm sure you can get your diver on the TV show. Yeah. Too. I mean, <laughs> don't they just go and hook the fish on while they're... Of course, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, I always thought that's times. how you did your fishing show. Yeah, exactly. I've had to say several times, man, you know, I, the, don't give me those... Keep tying those dinks on that I'm catching. Give me something bigger than that. So, anyway, it doesn't work. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> hey, and, you know, uh, we're speaking of bass, the Strin Series. Uh, they started their events, and did, I think you told me they were down in Texas? That's right, down on Falcon Lake, and man, what a tournament. Of course, the Bass Elite Series goes there uh, 
I think in March and man, they just had a slug fest down there. So that was a, a great, great lake to, to see. And, uh, you know, we we're going to be coming up here not too long on a lake that's, that's fairly close. It's choke Canyon right down in that same area. So, uh, we had a lot of fun on that lake. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Now trade uh, show seasons are going up. You and I are going to be in Des Moines, Iowa, February 22nd and 23rd. And then, uh, and you're going to be, you and I will be in St. Louis at the, uh, Edward Jones dome. Uh, where the Rams play February 8th and 9th, and I think I'll be there 7th, 8th, and 9th, but you're going to be there 8th and 9th. Uh, so that's going to be pretty cool. I'll be talking hunting, and you're going to talk, what, fishing? That's right. Yeah, well, yeah. That's You don't want me to talk about hunting. <laughs> so I, you can talk whatever you want to, Aaron. You're a big guy. That's right. Hey, and then you're going to be in Oklahoma, what? Yeah, it's a busy, busy schedule. Down in Oklahoma City on the 29th, and again back in, uh, that's on January, and then again back down in Tulsa on the 20th. Uh, for some Ditchwich uh, dealers conferences down there, and then uh, I think uh, we've got some of our crew that's going out to the, out to Vegas. Now wait a minute, can I? What is a fishing show going to a shooting sports show? Well, we have obviously our network affiliations. Oh, I got you. Yeah, okay. yeah. Right. So we'll be. I, I'm. I actually will not be there. There's going to be uh, Steve Brigman and then Don Hertz, our our uh, director of programming and stuff, is yeah. going to be out there. Well, I didn't know if you were going to be doing, like, carp shooting or... No, no, no. Yeah. no. Uh, you know how you guys get bored sometimes. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So. Hey, and then next week, uh, you guys will be at the Legend Plant in Arkansas. That's right. Yeah, we'll be down there uh, seeing some of them and uh, doing some, some segments with them. So, uh, a busy week. Yeah, busy you week. sounds like it. You're as crazy as I am. Yeah. Hey, I tell you what, folks. We need to go to our first angler interview. It's going to be Sean Hernkey. And he's going to be talking about smallies, so we're going to go to a commercial here from our fine sponsors, and then you're going to hear from Sean. Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140, and best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keelguard. Thanks, MegaWare Keelguard. Welcome back to The Edge. Brought to you in part by Ditch Witches On, establishing a new standard in trencher power and versatility. All right, we're back on The Edge, and joining us to go further in depth on deep fishing is FLW Touring Pro, Sean Hernke. Sean, uh, thanks so much for being part of The Edge. How are you doing today, Aaron? I'm doing great. I know one thing. It's probably a lot uh, colder where I'm at versus where you're at. Oh, yeah. Life is pretty good down here. I've been watching the weather. The rest of the country is just freezing cold. Watch the uh, NFL playoffs the other day. Where is it? You know, like 20 below or 5 <laughs> below or something up there. And we're down here in sunny Florida, and it's... Uh, about a balmy 75 degrees and not a cloud in the sky, so life's pretty good down here. Yeah. If, you, if you just had more water, it would be even better, right? Yeah, the water's a little low. We're here, you know, for the opening round of the FLW series, and, uh, you know, we're at Okeechobee, and it is record low. I think it's at, uh, I think the elevation now is 10 foot even, and uh, so it's uh, like several feet lower than what it is, and there's practically only water left is just in the rim ditch, so... It has just been a, uh, you know, a, a, uh, there's a lesson for you right there to put on bass hedges. How to fish when uh, there's 150 boats in one rim canal. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like it's going to be pretty challenging then. Oh, it is. It was, it was amazing. I was looking down yesterday at about a mile of rim canal, 
and there was like 27 boats on both sides of the rim canal, and I was just trying to find a spot just to poke in there and get to the rocks and start fishing with everybody else, and I couldn't find one. It was amazing. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully you can at least keep your boat in the water to you know from to keep from being towed off of uh, any sandbar or anything like that oh yeah it's crazy you know there's guys getting stuck you get out onto the lake and it's only a few feet deep and and uh if you if you make one wrong move going into those canals or channels you get hung up on those sandbars and the airboat drivers have been uh, pretty busy this week uh towing everybody off the off the sandbars and making a pretty good penny off of it too <laughs> that might be a good side job <laughs> yeah exactly well hopefully you'll make a pretty good penny uh with your finish down there i certainly wish you the best of luck but have you have you had a pretty good off season i know you you did uh some racing uh out at the baja 1000 right uh, earlier in the fall well yeah you know that's kind of always been you know my life growing up was uh you know just competitive you know since i was at a young young age i was racing motorcycles and uh when i got about 16 17 years old it got to the point where it was either do that for a living or uh you know i kind of got into bass fishing and i saw the realm of that and i said you know that looks like a lot safer more healthier, longer-lasting career way to make a living. And uh, so I kind of went that direction and gave up the two wheels. But I still ride a lot and, and haven't raced in quite a while. And there was one one last notch that I wanted to do on the old belt before I gave up the, you know, racing thing. And, and that was to do the Baja 1000, which is, as you know, just a crazy race that's, uh, you know, held in, in Baja, California, south in, in Mexico. And this year was the 40th anniversary, and it was a... Uh, it, usually it's a thousand mile race, and this year it was a thirteen hundred mile race, all the way down to uh, started in Ensenada, Mexico, and finished in in uh, Cabo San Lucas at the very tip point of the Baja Peninsula. Holy and, cow! Uh, yeah, it was, and it is just a crazy race. Over uh, two million spectators, you know, witnessed the event down there, and uh, it was nuts. And we had a pretty good time. We, you know, we finished sixth overall, or uh, over uh, out of our class of sixty, and so you know, wow. We just, yeah, so we we were pretty happy with that for the first time to be down there, and uh, you know it, it was pretty interesting. You know, hit a hit a uh, you know the the uh, I kind of I had a little get off uh, on the bike on about twenty miles into it, and uh, hit a booby trap that the, some of the spectators build down there, and at about eighty miles an hour, and went flying through the air and uh, ended up breaking my wrist. So um, well, now was that, that a right wrist or your left wrist? My left wrist, the main one that I cast with. I'm. Yeah, I'm I'm a dominant left-handed guy, and and my right hand's fairly useless, and uh, so it's given me a new reason to learn how to cast right-handed. So um, uh, that's kind of there's going to be a benefit from this. What I see when I'm all done, I've tried in the past to, to cast right-handed, never had much luck. I kind of give up after about an hour and went back to fishing left-handed, and now I don't have any choice. So. I've got pretty good at it the last few weeks, and uh, so I think now that I'm done, that's going to help a lot in my fishing. <laughs> well, absolutely. So, has do you see any? You know, has that been a, a pretty tough adjustment in being able to learn? You know, casting normally casting left-handed of switching over to the right hand. It was not a pretty sight the first <laughs> few days. I can tell you, tell you that, and and picking a backlash out with a cast on your hand is no fun, and. So, but eventually it just started flowing, and now now it's it's not too bad. It's not a pretty swing when I cast, but it's but it's functional. So that's the main thing. <laughs> well, it just goes to show you, you know what uh, what you're capable of, you know, when you're not given any other choice. Uh, so good for you. Well, that's it, exactly. And you hear a lot of guys, you know, um, you know me. I, I've always casted with my left hand and never had to switch the rod over. And you look at a lot of right-handed guys that they cast right-handed, switch the hand over to the left left hand, the rod over to the left hand, and then reel right-handed. And, uh, you know, I've always kind of found that kind of strange, and now I kind of know how they feel. I've been casting with my right hand and reeling with my left, and, 
it's been a uh, kind of an interesting adjustment, but I think it's real functional. You know, I've got I've been the boat in several positions where, you know, right-handed positions a lot better to cast with. So I think it's overall, it's going to be a, a good thing for me. Sure. Sure. Just get through some of those short-term challenges and you'll be good to go. So, you know, <laughs> exactly. So, well, speaking of challenges, uh, we had the opportunity to spend some time together up on, up on Lake Erie, um, you know, doing some, some deep, deep water fishing, uh, offshore, you know, big water, I should say, uh, you know, that was certainly against a, a little bit of the traditional, you know, southern reservoirs or a lot of the reservoirs that, you know, people are used to. Uh, could you set us up, you know, concerning and describe Lake Erie and what anglers are, are faced with when, when they visit Lake Erie? Oh, we had, you know, you and I had a ball there. Yeah. It was just, it's so much fun. I mean, those smallmouth are just incredible. It's, it's some of the best fishing in the country. And, um, you know, Erie is just a giant lake, and it's very intimidating for a lot of anglers when they first get there. And, um, you know, the bottom line to it is is you just have to be real real patient and, and find the structure. And the structure on that lake is not like what we're really used to. You know, uh, southern fishermen's used to a good point, a good, you know, ledge, a real defined area. And what, we, and what we did on Erie was so different from that. You know, we were fishing a rock ridge that maybe only came up 12 inches. And, and very subtle. And on Erie, you have a lot of soft bottom, and then you'll find these natural rock ridges. And that's how we caught those fish when you and I fished together, was just finding those little hard spots in the bottom of Erie and, you know, 15, 20 to 26 feet, somewhere in that range. And, uh, you know, and then you just simply find those little sweet spots on those rock ridges, and that's what we found in, when we fished together. Well, and that rock ridge, uh, you know, that thing was, what, probably a mile long? Oh, yeah, they're enormous. And, that, and that's kind of the patience part and the overwhelming part, I think, for a lot of guys when they first get there is, man, you know, okay, I found this place, but it's so giant, you know, and patience really takes key and, and just kind of fish, you know, the smallmouth's pretty aggressive, so if you kind of get on those structure areas and cover some water, you're going to find them. You'll find those in little groups of them, and that's kind of what you and I did. When we found them, we found them, and they were stacked, and they were cast after cast, and and that's what you're looking for. But you could go three-quarters of a mile and never get a bite, and then exactly. boom, you find them. And, and that's where you, we're moving and adjusting and just constantly searching for those little sweet spots is, is what a person needs to do when they get out there in deep water structure. Anywhere, anywhere in the country, even if you're down south, you know, you find those places and so many people get intimidated by offshore structure fishing, but it's really no different than going down the bank. You just have to kind of visually picture that is, you know, what I do in my mind is just picture that ridge as a stretch of bank and you're just going down that bank and you're not going to catch them everywhere on a bank. There's, you know, even if you're shallow water fishing, there's little key areas and that's the same thing fishing deep that I find is, you just simply go down there, be patient, and, and eventually you'll find them. Well, and one of the challenges that I saw, you know, being that being my first time on Lake Erie, was was the drift. You know, you're setting kind of out here in the middle of, of your way far away from the bank. But, exactly. you know, using that GPS, you know, you actually have to be moving for that thing to track. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, some of those challenges and how to... Um, kind of take advantage of of that drift right and one of the beautiful things about the new technologies of gps is you actually can set your gps with a track log and the track log draws draws a little line of where you were and that's what's so good about making those correct drifts at erie now before it was so hard you know without gps technology now you can really dial in with those track log lines and if you have a successful drift down a certain stretch of, of structure or rock 
you can go back and, and set your boat exactly back on the track log, and it'll overlay on top of the same drift that you did before and really dial right back in on those fish. And that was what's really key on Erie is making those successful drifts, finding the right drift, and then being able to reproduce the exact same drift you just did earlier. And, of course, with the drift we're referring to because of the wind and the waves, um, you know, it's, it's pretty hard to just constantly set in one spot. Exactly. And when you get a lot of wind up there, one of the key things that a lot of people use are drift socks. And we didn't necessarily have to use it that day because we, we got real lucky on our weather. But most days out there, you're using a big drift sock, two of them actually, one, to, one on the bow and one on the stern, and actually setting a controlled drift that will actually slow you down because it's just too hard to stay on a trolling motor and stay in one pinpointed area. So basically you come back, get on your right track log, set your drift socks out, and then that drift sock slows the motion of your boat down, and you can get a lot more cast and you can fish it more thoroughly while you're making those drifts. So that helps out a ton. You know, and we targeted actually that area and also the smallmouth with essentially two baits or two techniques. One was the drop shot. Uh, and then the other one was using the tube. Can you talk and elaborate why that we, we went that route? Well, that's the beautiful thing up there with smallmouth fishing. It's real simple. I mean, you can catch smallmouth on basically anything up there. <laughs> They're so aggressive. But the best bait for the bigger fish have always been, in the last few years, a drop shot and a tube. And, you know, the drop shot, you know, we were using a lot of little gobies and a lot of little minnows and, and, and things like that, which is natural forage for the fish up there. And, you know, a lot of people with the drop shot really just want to throw it out there and move the drop shot and shake it a lot. And as we found when we fished, it's really the, 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 the less movement you do, because of the wave action your boat's in, the wave action makes that bait move so much more than what you really think that it actually has plenty of action without you really doing that much to the actual rod. And so that that's one of the best baits right there. And then when they get kind of tough, like remember we, we went through some stretches where it got kind of a little bit tougher, the bite didn't happen. And then you take a tube, a real heavy tube is what we use, you know, with a big big lead head in it, and you chunk that tube out there, just standard green pumpkin colors, nothing real fancy, and then you can actually just drag that tube and snap it, and, and it makes them react. When they don't want to bite, when they're not feeding real good, like when you catch them on a drop shot and things shut down, then you can take that tube out there and snap it, almost jerk it like a jerk bait a lot of the times, and it just kind of moves through the bottom and kicks up a little bit of silt, and it snaps, and those smallmouth. They just can't resist that tube when it pops, and they're such a reaction feeder that that tube just drills it when they're not feeding real actively. Well, I know, like on the drop shot, it seemed like that it was very important to keep that weight in contact uh, with the bottom, whereas on the tube, it was a little different. Like you said, it was more of a reactionary strike. Exactly, and, and you know, a lot of times when you're drop shot in other places, you're not using a super heavy drop shot weight, but up there, it's real important because you're fishing so deep, and you have so much wave action that we were actually using like half-ounce drop shot waves, and that kept it really in good contact with the bottom. And if it comes, you know, those smallmouth, smallmouth are more, they, they hang on the bottom. You know, they don't suspend up a lot, and they don't, you know, on, on Erie, they're, they're real hard to see on a graph. That's what makes them hard to find, because they're so sucked up against the bottom that they're not showing little arches on your screen. I mean, they're right on locked on the bottom, so if you get that drop shot weight, off the bottom, then your bait's not close to the bottom. And we weren't using, if you recall, we weren't using a real big leader. Right. You know, we were the bait was real close to the bottom, but just barely off, you know, kind of almost, you would say, in front of their nose, because they're just sitting on the bottom and their bait's six inches from the, you know, from the bottom of the lake, and, and it just really kind of aggravates them in the biting. And that, that's kind of the real key with that bait. You know, one of the other techniques that you employ, um, and, and it worked very well up there, was the use of braided line on a spinning reel. 
and then you know tying some fluorocarbon onto that. What what are the advantages to doing that? Oh, that's my, that's my little secret there. You know, <laughs> let the cat out of the bag, and <laughs> that's just been a beautiful thing. You know, on the FLW tour, we spent so much time now the last few years with a spinning rod in our hand. You know, we we fish a lot of tough lakes, and, and, the, and the conditions are really tough, and we've been forced to, to downsize constantly in, in finesse fish and. And that's we're seeing that a lot all over the country now with the pressure and the fish getting smarter from so many years of, of being pounded on and and now they're you know and what the biggest thing that I've found and why I've gone to that is line stretch you know we're fishing you know up there we were fishing fifteen sixteen twenty feet deep sometimes and you know with with eight pound line and six pound line like we were using up there real light stuff you get a lot of line stretch that deep. And so if you convert that, if you've ever taken and, and, and stretched out 20 feet of six-pound line and set the hook, there's so much stretch that, that goes on with that line, with that distance, that you're not getting as much penetration as what you want with the hook. And the braided line is a beautiful thing. You know, I run that braided line as my main line and then basically tie a knot from there. And with the fluorocarbon leader, your six or your eight-pound or ten or whatever you want to use, and put about three feet of leader on there, three to four feet, and then you tie your main bait at the end of that. And so the fish don't see the actual braided line, and so you have no problem with that, but yet you get real good hookups, and it really increases your strike-to-catch ratio. I mean, you know, it jumps up so much higher, and, and that's it. Plus, not to mention, you don't get as many of those nasty loops in your line that make you want to pull your hair out. <laughs> exactly, and I know one thing. It sure made a believer out of me, but, you know, in our last closing minute, Sean, what advice can you offer to anglers maybe that have not been too eerie, um, you know, when approaching that? What's a good starting place, I guess? Well, the bottom line to it is is is, is learn the key areas. You know, there's there's you know each part of your ear is a huge lake. There's there's real well known areas, and 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 learn those key areas. You know, where we were fishing this kind of around what they call Peely Island, we were going out of Detroit, and we were fishing the West Half. There's the North Shore. Some areas like that are real no, notorious areas for holding smallmouth. Then once you get in those areas, simply turn on your graph. Look for the hard spots in the bottom, because you're not looking for giant depth changes like you are anywhere else. Look for your hard spots in your bottom. Find those rock ridges. Find those little bit gnarly rocks with a little bit of, sometimes you'll even get, you know, a little bit of the zebra mussels, and you'll feel that. And that's the right little areas that you want to get in. Some hard hard bottom areas, go through it, and, and just fish. Cover water, and you're going to find those smallmouth eventually. And then take your time and don't get frustrated with the, if the waves get big, right? Exactly, and you know, just make sure you watch the weather report every single day is the main thing because that lake is, can be a real dangerous lake when the wind comes up. Well, Sean, unfortunately, we are out of time, but uh, thanks so much. Uh, how about uh, if if our listeners or viewers have have questions? Yeah, if you have any questions, you know, for the show, I'd love to answer them. And uh, you know, you can anybody who has any questions, just email you know email me at prostaff at bassedge dot com, and I'll answer any questions you have, and uh, hopefully uh, be able to catch some more fish yeah. in, uh, out there on the Absolutely. Well, I wish you the, the best of luck. Hopefully uh, the, the time at Florida goes well, and hopefully you can find some water to fish. But we'll be talking to you soon, Sean. Hey, I appreciate it, Aaron, and uh, hope everybody enjoys the show. Sean was on, what, seven, eight months ago? Yes. And yeah. he really, really enjoys what he's doing. You can tell in his voice. He does. And, you know, he, of course, he, he and I share some similar interests. He actually used to race motocross uh, back in the day, and so did I. But he actually just competed over the summer um, in the Baja 1000, and his, he and his teammate took sixth place in that thing. So that was a, a life goal of his. So congratulations for doing that. Wow, that's kind of cool. That is. 
That is neat. Now, fishing large bodies of water like Lake Erie, have you ever fished the Great Lake? I have not, and you're talking about large, you know, yeah. it uh, it was pretty mind-boggling when you get out there. Yeah, it's like being in the ocean. <laughs> it, it really is, and yeah. I mean, and I tell you what, the water's cold, right? especially if you get into the fall area, but no, I enjoyed that. I, I used to go up around North Chicago and fish up in the, the Great Lakes up in there, and I tell you what, fishing is tremendous, great fishery. But it's totally different than what we're used to in the Midwest. It is, and I was really shocked. You know, you've heard a lot about the the gobies and the zebra mussels up there, and the effects that they've had, which actually they thought were going to be a detriment. When in fact they've they've really caused the smallmouth population and just the quality of the smallmouth to go through the the roof. But the other thing that they've done is obviously really cleared the water up, and I couldn't get over of how clear. And you could tell that by the TV show, but because you could see so deep into the water, those fish coming up from such a uh, you know, such a depth. It was just amazing. Yeah. Now, how do you drop shot for gobies? I didn't know they would work on that. Well, we, actually, we were drop shotting with the gobies, but what you want to do is... I'm just kidding. I, I, no, I know you're kidding, but see, you're, you're kidding me so much now anymore. I'm going to give you a serious answer, so... <laughs> so, go, that, is there any presentation... Am, am I going to be talking about drop shotting catfish here soon? Yeah. You know, there, isn't that amazing of how... Just, diversify yeah i mean yeah. It's, it's just amazing but um yeah we put that you know just those gobies those man-made uh imitation plastic gobies on the end and uh, lowered that drop shot down and then also dragging that tube we we shoved that uh, football jig actually internally within the cavity of that tube which caused the front the nose of that tube to flare out to make it yeah. look like a goby and fish those on the bottom and man those smallmouth just absolutely tore them up yeah, I can't wait for the new product line of bass that just come out because I want to see this drop shot carrot that you guys are going to have, you know, dangling that you're going to be going catfish. Can't resist the bass edge <laughs> exactly. carrot. Corn. You, simply, you yeah. simply pour in the, uh, the, uh, the, the ingredients to the carrot, that put the drop shot on, dangle it, and just dangle it like a carrot, folks, and that catfish will be on there before you know it. Yeah. I, I, I tell you, Aaron, you ain't going to be able to talk to you anymore because you'll have too much money. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I tell you what, I'll, I'll let you front run with it, and I'll just jump on and ride your coattail. How's that? Yeah, well, normal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's all right. No, you know what, though? Honestly, I've, I've heard people talking about drop shotting deep for trout now, lake trout. I've heard people, you have talked about it uh, several times throughout the Midwest for bass fishing. I know people are now drop shotting ice fishing. Yep. So it's amazing how that's been adapted on different things of fishing. It is, and you know, it makes you wonder where um, what took so long to really get it into the mainstream. But uh, because I know for a fact that the, you know the technique has been around for a very long period of time. Um, you know, it's just one of those things that it's kind of come into vogue now and it's starting to get a lot of press and a lot of publicity. And a lot of people, I think, are getting outside of their comfort zone and, and trying to learn new things. You know, the, yeah. the skill of anglers is going through the roof. So. Yeah. Hey, now, what about the rocks? Now, is that really the key on those water areas? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, yeah. you know, we were fishing a ridge that was probably a, a mile long. And, I mean, wow. you could have spent days on this ridge and never probably never have covered the whole thing. But there were scattered rock piles. And once you found that hard surface, because, you know, traditionally Lake Erie has a, a pretty soft bottom, but when you find those hard areas or some sort of structure that they're relating to those zebra mussels and those gobies then move in on that, and guess what? The smallmouth right there. Wow, that's exciting. It well, is. Well, folks, I tell you what, we need to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to be right back with the Inside Edge. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the Tow and Stow Receiver Hitch by B&W. 
You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 towing pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. Welcome back to The Edge, and joining us to take an inside look at Collegiate Bass Fishing Association is Troy Heckman. Troy, thanks so much uh, for being part of The Edge. Not a problem, Aaron. Glad to be here. You know, Troy, before we get into all the many things that uh, the CBAA has going on, can you set us up a little bit as far as what the CBAA actually is? Uh, Yes. Uh, Collegiate Bass Angler Association is an amateur athletic organization, and our primary mission is to recruit and retain collegiate bass fishing uh, fishermen and create bass fishing programs at colleges for them nationally. Well, and, you know, with that being said, there's so many other things other than just, you know, the competitive fishing that's involved with the CBAA that I think, you know, that's one of the reasons why so many organizations are getting behind uh, getting behind you guys to be able to carry out that mission because it is of importance to be able to not only pass that on to the next generation, but just think of how much that will impact future generations to come. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we know that uh, a lot of our missions and aspirations uh, goals have uh, you know shared responsibilities, and uh, we're just thrilled to be able to work with uh, you know white uh, diverse group of folks to achieve those and you know promote collegiate bass fishing and. Uh, the student angler nationally and uh, just recently we were talking to a group and just looking out at the, the group of young men and young women and just look out there and know that hey these are our next generation of legislators and you know outdoor leaders is just uh, just amazing it's it's an awesome thing to be working with them it is and, and you know and and even beyond of course i'm sure that some of those will go on to aspire uh, within professional fishing as well but you know chances are that many of these are going to be you know involved in the in the community not just specific to you know competitive fishing um what have you guys experienced quite a bit of growth you know over over the the last uh, couple of years uh yes we have uh I- uh, just in the last 15 months, as a Collegiate Bass Angler Association, we've been fortunate enough to uh, provide 132 uh, club development plans to different student organizations who have contacted us seeking uh, some assistance and guidance and creating a fishing program on their, their college campuses. And uh, out of those, I believe about 60% of those are actually recognized student organizations on campuses, be it a special interest club um, or a uh, you know, sport club. So yeah, the um, you know the collegiate angling right now is a is a brush fire. There's uh, you know a lot a lot more participation participants out there. You know different events are going to be coming up. It just uh, continues to grow by leaps and bounds, and we're just uh, thrilled to be be part of all of it. You know, and and you just came off of you know now transitioning into some of the many things that you have going on currently. Um, I know just recently on television you had the. Uh, the, the championship was televised. Uh, yes, there's a couple different groups that do uh, championship programs, and uh, they they are in the process of being aired now. And it was uh, you know uh, great to be be part of that, and you know do some consulting work with the, with those those organizations. And that's uh, you know another way to get the word out about the sport, and you know just continue to support the sport. 
Well, and you know, the thing that I appreciate so much about the mission of the CBAA is just the, the total involvement, you know, of how you plug. And I think that speaks volumes about your growth, you know, is, is how you plug anglers in to get them exposed to the outdoors. Because let's face it, I mean, you know, there's a lot of choices out there uh, today of, of how, you know, future anglers can spend their time, you know, maybe through... Uh, activities that that aren't so much on the up and up oh yeah definitely there's uh you know there is a lot of distractions now i think probably more so now than uh when we were in college but you know the uh, collegiate bass angler association is a, a bridge through the more traditional youth programs that you might find in uh you know cub scouts or in high schools uh, uh you know to help transition into the adult adult clubs you know if we can uh, offer an opportunity for young uh you know, men and women to pursue and continue their their love and love for fishing while they're in college. You know, that's that's you know another another feather in our cap. And one of the the things that we really enjoy the, enjoy the most is providing those opportunities and being able to work with the the, the student anglers on a face to face basis. So, what's on the horizon uh, on the calendar for for the next month or so? On the next month or so, uh, our next event's going to be the Big Big Ten Championship. Uh, it's going to be held in northern Indiana this year. It's the furthest north it's, uh, it's been in the, the state of Indiana. It's going to be uh, on Lake Maxenkucky, April uh, 12th and 13th. Wow. So hopefully the weather breaks uh, before then. Uh, it, it, uh, going by weather records, it looks like it should be a pretty good time. The the, the smallmouth should be moving up on the beds uh, you know, for some pretty decent um, Carolina rigging with the you know, tubes or jerkbait fish, and of course the channels will be warming up by then, so the largemouth bite should be on also. So uh, will all of the schools be participating at that championship? Uh, well, right now, the uh, you know, the, the Big Ten uh, tradition, uh, the Big Ten has uh, 11 schools in it, and we've heard from uh, nine of them to date, and we're uh, hopefully be able to hear from the other other two outstanding clubs, uh, uni- universities here shortly. Uh, we'd sure love to have a fulfilled but if not uh be a quality event and uh it's a you know pretty stiff competition the big 10 classic is the oldest of any collegiate uh, bass fishing events being uh, started up in 1995 so we're just uh looking forward to being able to uh, provide that opportunity to the the big 10 anglers well i know you know in our closing minute here i know certainly that the, those rivals exist uh, amongst other sports within the big 10 and i'm sure it will be no different you know across the across the sport of fishing no absolutely absolutely we we, we see that you know they have their, their their fun with their their trash talking and uh just uh you know it is it's uh you know another time uh uh, you know, just pure competition there. Well, you know, Troy, uh, one of the things is hard to believe that we're out of time, but the great thing is we're going to have you on here about once a month uh, to really take an inside look into the CBAA, keep us abreast of what's going on, as well as the many great things that uh, that you have going on with the members. But in the meantime, until that next time, how can our listeners uh, find out more information uh, concerning the CBAA? All right, a couple different ways. They could, of course, visit us on the World Wide Web at uh, www.com collegiatebass.org or if they'd like to send me an email it's uh, just troy at collegiatebass.org all right troy well thank you so much uh, for being part of the edge and we'll look forward to hearing from you in a few weeks not a problem hope everyone have safe travels and tight lines when i'm fishing in a tournament time is critical i need fast easy access to my lures 
My Cook's go-to tackle system keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's Tackle System by calling 1-88-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. Welcome back to The Edge. All right, we're back on The Edge Outdoors. Dan, Aaron, Martin, and uh, you know that Troy guy. What a great organization, and I just wish him nothing but the best. Absolutely. You know, we're happy to be affiliated with them, and, and really it's, it's a an organization that I take personally uh, and personally passionate about and committed to because I, I just think that believe so much in, in what they do. Absolutely. Folks, I can't believe we're almost out of time, but before we get out of here, we need to do a couple different things. We need First off, we need to tell you, we want to hear from you, even Aaron. Trust me, he, he's really not the standoffish in person. He's <laughs> just, so he's just that way with me. Don't but if me. you would like to send us a listener email question or just a, a question in general, here's the address. It's prostaff at bassedge.com. That's prostaff at bassedge.com. These will be answered on the website. Some will be answered in the newsletters, or we occasionally we are going to take the time to uh, get them on the podcast whenever Aaron's feeling up to it. Or whenever Dan doesn't rush me for work time. Yeah. Oh, you see, you're getting better. You're, you're starting to come back, hey, son. You better get that's, the gloves on now. That's exciting. I like to hear that. Um, you know what? The TV show is doing really well. You guys have to be happy. Next week on Bastards TV, shallow, uh, they're going to do Shallow Water. And where's that going to be on? We're actually going to be on Percy Priest, and we will be with the WBT uh, champion of last year, which is Pam Martin Wells. And uh, man, I tell you, she can she can fish with anybody. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. Very very good angler. Nice lady. Very nice. Very I'm nice. glad to hear No that. relation, by the way. Pardon me? No relation, because her name is Pam Martin. You know, no well, relation. Well, Pam, yeah, I thought it was Pam Martin Well. It is. It's hyphenated. That's her married yeah, name. I would have changed it if I was related to you, Hang too. with me, Dan. Huh? <laughs> Hang with I, me. I was with you. I was All just right, waiting uh, for you to finish. Okay. Hey, and uh, you can go to BassEdge.com for highlights for both Percy Priest Lake and the techniques that you guys use. Is that correct? That is right. Steve's going to have uh, two companion articles coming out on those very things. That's exciting. Finally, folks, next week on The Edge is Pam. She will be talking with us about the importance of paying attention. Do you hear that, Aaron? To those who have subtle changes uh, fishing during your day, and the inside edge looks closely at crankbait. So don't forget to sign up for our monthly newsletter, and that is at, Aaron? BassEdge.com. All right, folks, that's going to wrap it up. For Aaron Martin, this is Outdoors Dan Young. We'll see you all next week right here on The Edge. Bass Edge would like to thank the following sponsors who make the Edge audio program possible. Ditch Witch, Mother's Waxes and Polishes, B&W Trailer Hitches, Megaware Keel Guard, Cook's Tackle Management Systems, Ardent, Rule the Water, Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Superstar Batteries, and the Clarks Hill Partnership of Georgia. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com. Be sure to join us next week on The Edge.